athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. There's definitely madness in March in 2018, and I'm not just talking about the basketball that's going on. Here in North Carolina, and I'm sure in, in places further north, we had snow on Monday. And by Thursday, it was almost 70 degrees here in Raleigh. You know, it, it's it's the, the weather is absolutely crazy, but uh, the madness taking place in March certainly also on the basketball court again welcome to another edition of from the press box to press row i am your host donald ware we got a whole lot to get to on the program today we're going to talk a lot of college hoops here on the program i've got my bracket online you can log on to our website box to row.com box to row.com we're going to talk again some hoops today here on the program talk about the the brackets and such Going to spend a lot of time today talking about the matchup between Texas Southern and North Carolina Central, one in which the Tigers defeated the North Carolina Central Eagles 64-46. to Got some thoughts on the game. As a matter of fact, I was, you know, I was had some business that I was doing um, in Raleigh, and so I knew that the Wake and Raleigh Eagle Association or the North Carolina Alumni Association in the area was having a watch party. They had it at a place in downtown Raleigh. So I just I, I crashed the party. I decided to crash the party, go in, watch the game, had a, had a wonderful time with the Eagles, a lot of those Eagle fans. And it, it was it was OK at first because it was a close game in the beginning. But ultimately, North Carolina Central just didn't have enough. They 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 didn't have enough depth. And bottom line, North Carolina, it was that Texas Southern, just a better basketball team. And, you know, when you have a guy like a DeMontre Jefferson who came to play, really had a good game for Texas Southern. He dropped 25 points in the ball game, also had eight rebounds. You know, he 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 he. He was just really, really good. I also thought the play of Trayvon Reed, the big man in the middle for Texas Southern, was very good as well. I mean, if you're North Carolina Central, you can't go 0 for 14 from three-point range. And I think really in the second half they lost their legs because there was a stretch in the second half where Texas Southern went on a bit of a uh, a dry spell in terms of scoring points. And and the Eagles just could not match that. So I'm going to talk extensively 
about that matchup here on the program. Also going to play some sound bites. Had a chance to catch up with North Carolina Central head men's basketball coach Lavelle Moten and Texas Southern head men's basketball coach Mike Davis earlier in the week prior to the game. Going to replace some of those pieces and just kind of more so telling a little bit of of the story with respect to both of these programs. And also I know a lot of people had concerns about the fact that two HBCUs were playing against each other. I'm going to address that also today on the program. You know, the NFL, the National Football League, and free agency, also hot and heavy. Got a lot to talk about with respect to that also today here on the program. You know the saying, the rich get richer. Well, the Vikings had a really, really good problem. I mean, an extremely good problem. First of all, they made it to the NFC Championship game. They, they've got an outstanding defense, a pretty solid offense. Pretty solid offense. They need a little bit more firepower offensively. But their defense, very, very good. So they had a situation, I think, as you know, Case Keenum, who really wasn't very good last year, um, ended up being the starter, ended up having a tremendous season. For the Vikings, that was one of their quarterbacks. He played because Sam Bradford got injured, as well as Teddy Bridgewater, who seemed to, at least moving forward, was going to be the franchise quarterback. Well, guess what? The Vikings have neither three, <laughs> neither three, I said neither three, of those quarterbacks now. And by the way, they went out and signed Kirk Cousins to a guaranteed contract, three years, $84 million. So we're going to talk some free agency and more specifically about maybe that particular situation and what a Kirk Cousins means to the Vikings moving forward. Going to also talk about that today on the program. Listen, hit us up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And uh, just just you know, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on maybe some of the things that you've seen, some of your thoughts on the tournament to this point. You know, let me start by talking about that Eagle and Tigers matchup. Again, one in which Texas Southern really just ran away with that game, 64-46. to 46. I, I, I want to start here because... As I talk with a lot of people throughout the course of the week and um, had actually gotten a couple of tweets on our Twitter account as well. And as I mentioned, a lot of folks had concerns and, and, and more so those in the HBCU community, I would say more so than anyone else, about the fact that Texas Southern and North Carolina Central were having to play against each other in the first four. Now, you know, the first thing, I, I, I think people say, well, this happens all the time. I, I don't know that it happens all the time or it's happened, I should say, all the time. I mean, how long have has this first four process been going, uh, been playing out? I, I, you know, I'd have to think back. I think there was at least a time, maybe two, where two HBCUs matched up against each other 
in the play-in portion, because in essence, that's what it is. They call it, they, they, they dressed it up a little bit and called it first four in. And you remember when it was the field of 64 as opposed to the field of 68, then you, you know, you, it, and when they first started, I mean, you had some play-in games. You know, you had some play-in games when this thing first started, really between the 16 seeds. And now they've expanded it. You have some 11 seeds that, that play and so on and so forth. Well, you know, again, I, I don't know that that has happened so much, but I look at it from this perspective. I like the move. Actually, I like the fact that North Carolina Central and Texas Southern played in the first four in for a number of reasons. Number one, I mean, both we, we, you, you had to know that both teams were going to be in this situation. You had a North Carolina Central team that, yes, they had a, a winning record, but they were middle of the pack in the MEAC. They were a middle of the uh, a middle of the road team in the MEAC. So you had to know that even with a, a, a decent record, they didn't have a great strength of schedule. They were going to be one of the first four in. And then Texas Southern, you had to sort of know that they were going to be as well. They started off 0-13. Now, with that 0-13 start, playing against a lot of really good teams. As a matter of fact, they had the toughest schedule in the country for those first 13 games. But they didn't win the conference this year. The, the, I shouldn't say they won the tournament championship, but they didn't win the regular season. So, you know, last week watching both the SWAC and the MEAC tournament championships and watching now had Hampton won and it had Hampton won this thing. Hampton would not have been one of the first four in. Why? Because they won the regular season and they had, you know, they, they had a, a pretty solid season with a better record than did North Carolina Central. I mean, I, I don't think they had uh, the Pirates as great a season maybe as they had going back some two, three years ago, but they wouldn't have been in that first four in situation. So that was number one. You knew they were going to be in. Number two, um, my thought is my thought is this. Why not? I'm sure that there were some conversations in that room, meaning when the committee was making these decisions or making the decisions in terms of um, the, the, the field of 68 and who to pair whom against, that I'm sure it came up that these are two HBCUs. Um, so to me, why not have both of them play each other for a number of different reasons? Number one, it's going to guarantee that an HBCU is in the field. So it's going to guarantee that an HBCU is in the field. It's going to guarantee more money to the school that wins this game and to the conference because they would have won the play-in or the first four game, and then they would have played, obviously, the next game against Xavier. So it guarantees an HBCU is going to be in. Um, but not only that, I think the committee in the room um, thought maybe like I was thinking, this this is going to gain more attention. This is going to gain a lot more attention because it is two HBCUs playing against each other. Now, I like to be able to see the numbers in terms of how many people actually watch the game. And I'll tell you what, when I was downtown in Raleigh at the sports bar with the, the North Carolina Central Eagle alumni in the area, it was about 50 alumni. In that sports bar, so it was it was it was very you know the Eagles represented 
um, coming out to watch that game. But I'd be interested to see the numbers from that particular game. And I, I, I'm, 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 my thought would be just being on social media and just in talking with people and so forth that, you know, it probably got some decent numbers, particularly for a first four game. Now, does it measure up against some of the other games, St. Bonaventure, Syracuse, et cetera? I, I don't know about that. I don't know how it would stack up against the, uh, those games, but I think it probably got some pretty good numbers. So I, 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 I got to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk more about the game and then play some sound bites from both Mike Davis and Lavelle Moton, the respective head coaches of Texas Southern and North Carolina Central and still to come here on the program. We're going to talk some NFL free agency and my bracket is online. Log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. I want to break down some of the games as well as from the press box to press row continues. You've heard what Donald's got on his mind. What's on yours? We'll find out next. And join us in the press box to press row for everything but the stale catered chicken. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. That is the voice of Tank. Yeah, I did have some scholarship offers. The sexier scholarship offer was my music scholarship. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to take my music scholarship and use it to play football. But I went to Morgan State. They you got, went where? They went to Morgan State. You went to Morgan? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a Morgan grad. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, when we got when I got there, man, they put so many requirements on me for my, for my scholarship that I couldn't play football. So... Needless to say, I was only there for about two months. <laughs> <laughs> from the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Joey Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. Press Box to Press Row and BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. Rest in peace to Craig Mack, who passed away on Monday at the age of 47. Sort of a, a, I don't want to say, well, he didn't have a short career, but it wasn't a whole lot. He only had three albums that ultimately came out. But, of course, this song, Flavor in Your Ear, was his ultimate hit. And But, you know, if it weren't for Craig Mack, there would have been really no bad boy. I mean, Craig Mack was uh, P. Diddy's first artist. And this flavor in your ear was crazy. And then they did the remix, of course. Notorious Big had a, has had his part on the remix. And then, I mean, Notorious Big just blew up. And then basically, um, more or less, Diddy kicked, kicked Craig Mack to the curb. He had a couple of other singles. But, you know, again, rest in peace to Craig Mack. Passes away at the age of 47. You know, one of the things... Um, I, I should have known in my bracket, I should have known better than to pick Oklahoma 
over Rhode Island. Typically, when I do my bracket, I'll sit down. I I, I don't necessarily look at play like if it's a you know a superstar play you know a superstar college player. Then of course you're going to factor them in. But I mean a, a, again, sometimes when you have stars, uh, particularly again in college, they don't always come to play. So I kind of do my when I look at the brackets, I look at okay what has the respective team done during the regular season what did they do in the tournament who are some of the bigger teams they beat who are some of the great wins they had uh, against certain teams what are some of the losses that they had and I kind of look at it that way and I should have known better with Oklahoma but my thought process with Oklahoma was such first of all they shouldn't have even been in the tournament but my thought process was okay Oklahoma's had a really bad second half of the season and an awful February, right? But I'm like, okay, I think they're going to get it together. Um, you know, they're going to go out and prove everybody wrong that they, in fact, did belong in the tournament and ultimately lost to Rhode Island. I mean, I, I had Oklahoma losing in the second round anyway. I figured they'd probably be one and done, but I did. You know, I, it, my thought process was. They'll win a game. They'll win a game and and at least say, okay, well, we've won at least one game. But you never know how these things could go. But I should have known better than to pick Oklahoma over Rhode Island. But, uh, uh, you know, ultimately that is, in fact, what I did. So, again, uh, let me break down a little bit the matchup between North Carolina Central and Texas Southern, the first four game which took place on Wednesday. And, and, and again, for me, um, I, I thought it was great to have the two HBCUs go up against each other. Uh, I, again, it, it guarantees that one of the HBCUs, because think about it, if you had, I mean, the, the success, the, there hasn't been a whole lot of success by HBCU schools. I mean, Norfolk, obviously, with the big win that they had against Missouri going back, what was that? 2012, the the two maybe the 2012 or 2013 um, tournament. I mean, you've had some other, you know, yet Coppin State that made a nice run back in '97. You had Hampton with their big win back in 2001. I mean, you've had some wins, um, and you've had some more recently in play-in type of situations. North Carolina A&T, um, you know, won a game a couple of uh, years ago the last time they were in the tournament was at uh, 2000 whatever year that was all these years are starting to run together but the last time that the Aggies won the MEAC tournament championship they won a play-in game or a, I don't know if it was I don't think it was first four and I think it was a play-in game at that time but um so but you know again you guaranteed that you had an HBCU in the tournament um I think it it, it in fact drummed up more interest in that particular game. I, I would like to see the ratings. I think they probably were pretty good. And you're, you're one of the teams was guaranteed to make some money along with its conference. It just so happens to be that Texas Southern is that team that's going to make more money. They both made money from being in the tournament. And then you move on. You win. You move on. That means more money. So, uh, you know, as, as opposed to maybe pitting the teams up against uh, the respective teams up against a non or non HBCUs and then they lose. And then, you know, you, you just don't have that interest. I mean, would you have liked to see, uh, you know, a, a, a central play 
you know, to play like LIU or something like no LIU Brooklyn. I think no, I don't. I don't, I don't want to see that. I, I'd much prefer to see North Carolina Central and Texas Southern, and that of course is what we saw. You know, I thought early on, um, uh, Demontre Jefferson for Texas Southern was solid early on, and then also early on for North Carolina Central, um, Rasheen Davis was solid early on as well, but. You know, if you're the Eagles and you shoot just 24% from the field in the second half, that's just not going to get it done. And that's ultimately what happened. I mean, they, they got down by 10 points. But I just, as I watched the game, they missed a lot of three-pointers. Again, as I mentioned, they were 0 for 14 from three-point range. I just think that they ran out of gas. That's, that, that's, that is my thought. And um, also the fact that the Eagles were playing with a team really that, you know, it's interesting to me. I think the win against A&T, the last regular season game was overlooked. I think that really helped to propel North Carolina central to the, to the MEAC tournament championship. I mean, they beat the number one, the number one overall seed in, uh, in Hampton. They beat Savannah state along the way. Those teams were tied for first place in the MEAC this year. They beat both of those teams on their way to the MEAC Tournament Championship. And, you know, to me, you can't overlook it. I know it's a rivalry game and all of that, but to me, that was a big win. And I had a chance, as a matter of fact, to, again, catch up with Lavelle Moten, if you can believe it, in his ninth season as the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina Central, and talk with him about that particular win over A&T, how it maybe helped to give the Eagles that confidence that they needed going into the the MEAC tournament and some other things with Lavelle Moten. I thought it was huge. You know, anytime it's an arch rival, you know, uh, it speaks for itself. Uh, there's another layer of uh, intensity that's associated with it, and our guys responded, and we were unfamiliar with being in those positions because we were the least experienced team in the country in terms of uh, returning starters. So that definitely gave us some kind of confidence going into the tournament. We thought we had a great game plan in which the guys would honor and execute it, and uh, it, it, it pretty much became the momentum that we needed to carry ourselves into the tournament. Is this, I mean, you look at the, you look at some of the teams. I mean, you could even make an argument the year that you all went to the NIT and uh, gave Miami all it could, it could handle. I mean, that was a, a really, really good team. And of course, you've won, uh, previous to now two MEAC tournament championships. Is this your best coaching job to this point? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just try to give my heart and soul in everyone, man. I, you know, it's, it's different. Um, because I put the same effort into to all of them. Um, I, I think people will say that because of the previous years, we were kind of expected to win it. You know, the expectations were, were at an all-time high. This year, we weren't expected. Everyone who was familiar with our situation knew, okay, they're young, they're inexperienced, they're kind of rebuilding, they're coming off a championship where they lost seven seniors and, you know, I, I would probably say, yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of fun, uh, you know, because I just enjoy the challenge myself. And, um, you know, hopefully we can continue this thing and, and it won't be over. 
Lavelle Moten in his ninth season as the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina Central joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Eagles going to take on Texas Southern uh, on Wednesday uh, in the first four in game. Um, does this team in nine years as the head coach, uh, Coach Moten, does this team remind you of any of your previous uh, eight teams? Uh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, you know, it's 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 so different. Such a different basketball team. Like I said, I, I'm I'm used to having a little more leadership, a little more uh, veteran, um, a little more of a veteran presence, pretty much. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever started two freshmen in a walk on in my life. Um, so it reminds me of the high school teams that we had where we weren't the most talented, but we just had to go out there and find a way. Uh, the previous championships I had, I always had a player that could just bail me out of situations when we could say, okay, give him the ball, everybody else, y'all get out the way. We don't have that on this year's team, and as a coach, we all need that. Um, but it's fun. Never, nevertheless, it's fun. Um, we've overcome the challenges. Um, and, and tomorrow night, we definitely got our hands full with Texas Southern. Your thoughts? We had a chance to catch up uh, with Mike Davis. I indicated you guys are, are really good friends, kind of texted after each other's uh, tournament wins on Saturday. Your thoughts on uh, on Mike Davis and the Tigers? Man, number one, I think he's one of the best coaches in the nation. Um, I don't understand why he don't have a multi-million uh, job. He's been a tremendous friend, uh, a tremendous mentor. What he's done at that program, four tournaments in the last five years, like, come on, man, like, that's incredible. The man's already been to a Final Four. He's, he's incredible. And, you know, I have nothing but reverence about him. Um, you know, like I said, I hate playing my friends. I absolutely hate it. And I hate playing them even more when I know that he has an extremely talented basketball team because – you know, Trey Jefferson, I don't know what we're going to do with that kid, man. That kid is incredible. So they're, they're really super talented, man. And, and you know, I, I hate the fact that we got to bump heads um, in front of the entire world on Wednesday night. But such is life. And I, I wish him nothing but the best just when he's not playing me. Uh, I had a chance to be around the program 2006-2007, first year in, in D1. I know you I had a chance to ask you about the fact that I played Duke to open that season, um, sort of taking pictures and so forth um, after the game with the Blue Devils. But when you think going back to that season when you were an assistant coach, I think it may have been your first year, to where you've brought the program now as an alum, you know, how proud does that make you feel? You know, it... You know, it's, it's one of those situations where you don't have, really have time to embrace um, everything associated with it because you're trying to get the next one. You're steadily working. Um, my first game as a head – that was my first game as an assistant coach. My first game as a head coach, we played Carolina, and they were up 20. And, and Roy, out of respect, took his starters out with four minutes left in the game, or maybe for three, four minutes. And I looked down at the sideline, and I said, no, 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 keep those guys in. Because I wanted our guys to understand that this is big time basketball, and no one is going to feel sorry for you or have pity. If you want to be better, you got to get better. No one is going to, uh, you know, have empathy or sympathy for you. And I thought that moment was a really defining moment in, in changing the landscape and the culture and the attitude of our program. And we've taken that attitude 
um, along for the ride ever since. Three MEAC tournament championships for Lavelle Moten, nine seasons in uh, as the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina Central. Seems like one year that maybe the first year that they won it or they won the MEAC tournament championship, they may be seemed like they may have been a, a 14 seed going into the tournament that year. Uh, now you're going to hear from Mike Davis, the head men's basketball coach at Texas Southern. So I had a chance to catch up with him earlier in the week and just kind of getting his thoughts uh, on some things. Obviously, we're not, you know, not necessarily about the game, but just kind of his thoughts on his team. And then certainly with respect to his star player, DeMontre Jefferson, who is the seventh leading scorer in the nation. Very good guard. I think he's one of the most talented point guards in the country. Very difficult to guard him one on one. When he's making the jump shot and getting to the basket, he's very, very good. Yeah, can, can you talk about this? Is his second year in the program? He came to you right out of high school. Can you talk about um, you know being able to recruit a player like this to come to your program at Texas Southern? He was you know a three star recruit coming out of high school. Well, he was a three star, but we thought he was a five star talent wise. You know, we thought he was a five star, and like I say, he, he led the country. And the fourth in the country in scoring uh, up until, like, the, the Grambling game. But, like I said, he got suspended a couple of times, and you know, we're just so happy that he's really changed and and become, and become a different person you know, on the court and off the court. Yeah, a couple of more thoughts. How ha- You know, I know that had to be tough for you, but as a coach, you have to do what you have to do for the betterment of the team. So how has he be? you know, how has he changed since maybe this last suspension? Well, if you watch me, more of a leader on the court. You know, he's running our team better. You know, um, he's, just, he's just doing things that a, a basketball player is supposed to do now on the court. Yeah, I mean, can you speak to the, the – you know, you played in some tough games, played some tough competition as you do each and every year. First 13 games were losses. Can you talk about being able to bounce back from that? This was actually a year that the SWAC was extremely tough. Well, you know, our, our, our non-conference schedule was designed for us to get to the tournament. We really didn't care about our record. We knew that it was going to be very difficult for us to win any of those games. We had the number one central schedule in the country, number one. And by us having the number one central schedule in the country and all our games in the road, all we were trying to do was get ready for our conference uh, in our conference tournament. And we would have done better in our conference, but like I said, we had injuries and suspensions. But once we got to the conference tournament, we, we finally had our whole team. Last two thoughts. W- what do you know? I mean, I, I know it's it's fresh. Uh, you're just finding out that you're playing about, uh, playing North Carolina Central, the Eagles. You know, what do you what do you know about the Eagles? What do you know about uh, uh, their head coach, Lavelle Moten? Well, Lavelle and I are very good friends. We talked last night uh, on the phone, congratulating each other for making the tournament. We both thought we'd be in a play-in game, but we didn't think we'd play each other. But um, I'm excited for him. He's excited for me, and it should be a good contest on Wednesday night. Yep, no question about it. Lastly, uh, just your career—you have had a great uh, career. As a matter of fact, you started out um, after your playing days were over as uh, an assistant coach uh, at, at Miles. You're an Alabama native. You know, when when you now have won four tournament SWAC tournament championships 
in six years have had the success at the Division One level, and more specifically now uh, at, at Texas Southern. You know, just kind of reflect, uh, you know, you still got plenty of time, plenty of career left. Kind of reflect on your career and and where you are now from where you came. Well, I'm just happy to have a job, happy to be in a program that appreciate me as a coach. And I appreciate them and happy to be in a great city. Houston is an unbelievable city. I love Houston. Um, We want to be here for a long time because there's so much going on here in Houston and the sky's the limit. Texas Southern head men's basketball coach Mike Davis, as we were able to catch up with him, um, as a matter of fact, on Sunday evening. Let's step aside, take a break, come back. We'll switch gears a little bit and talk some NFL free agency plus more hoops talk still to come as From the Press Box to Press Row rolls on. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, this community is, is unbelievable. They deserve to have a good team. They deserve to have a good group of guys. And um, I'm excited I get to play for them. You know, they support us in everything we do. And, uh, you know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused. It's really, you know, excited. Luda! Now, let me ask you, are you still having nightmares from the Falcons losing the Super Bowl a couple of months ago? <laughs> How dare you? Of course I'm still having nightmares. I'm still going through the morning process. But listen, listen we're going we, we, if we got to make it up, we got to make it up this year. We got we to gotta come back strong, and we have to, like, literally make up for the loss. That is the voice of seven-time Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion, Jimmy Johnson. Um, it means the world to me. An accomplishment, I guess I should say, that I, I never thought I would achieve, and put in a group of drivers with Dale Earnhardt and Richard Betty is mind-blowing. And then the cool thing is, I still feel like I have quite a few good years left ahead of myself, and can maybe get up to eight. We're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State? What is going on at Mississippi Valley State University? <laughs> Why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers? And, you know, that, that brought awareness to the school. And after that, I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. At the voice of four-time NBA All-Star John Wall. Um, it's very important, man. Come on, man. Raleigh, North Carolina, born and raised on the South Side. I couldn't ask for nothing more. The little bag kid with nappy braids from the Boys and Girls Club that everybody called Crazy J. One of the best players in the NBA on the highest level and made it from nothing. I couldn't ask for nothing more. To be able to get back to these kids and give them an opportunity to show them that they could be anything in life. Uh, you just believe in yourself. Um, I know everything's not perfect right now. You go through tough times, but you want to be a firefighter, a doctor, a basketball player, a soccer player, school teacher, whatever you want to be, just drive and work hard every day about that. And you can accomplish anything in life, but the most important thing is make sure you get an education first. That's the voice of the one and only Sheila E. What most comes to your mind when you think about Prince and your time with him? It's not one thing because it's a memory that lasts for over 30 years or so. You know, we were both very young when we met, and I, I met him at the beginning of his career, the very beginning. That's family. It's my friend. It's one big memory of many, many years of things, good and bad. 
Jim Caldwell, the head coach of the Detroit Lions. If a coach is named a coach in waiting, the next year he becomes that head coach. Uh, he goes 14 and 2. His team goes to the Super Bowl. The next year he goes 10 and 6. His uh, team goes to the playoffs. And then because of a 2 and 14 record, but part of that record is because certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time misses the entire season. After the end of that season, the coach is fired. Is that fair to that coach? <laughs> well, you know, in this business it is. <laughs> Because um, that's the thing that I think most people that, that are in it and understand it, it. It's what have you done for me lately. Uh, at that particular year, we didn't win enough games, plain and simple. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. The press is all mine. I became my uh, uncle to a lot of these MCs, to the people that love my music, to the, to the game in general, because of the way that I treat people. And I feel like my career is representative of that. That's why the longevity is there. That's why the love is there. And that's why I maintain the status of, you know, being relevant for so many years. I'm talking about none other than Tony Dungy. It was even more special to me because I, I remember coming into the league as a player in 1978, and there were only seven uh, African-American coaches in the whole league. Assistants, there were no head coaches and just seven assistants. It was special, and then to win it and to always be uh, able to be thought of as the first one to do it, uh, that's going to be something I'll, I'll be proud of for a long time. Joined by Kevin Hart. Right now I'm on cloud nine. This is the time where I'm in demand, so you make the best of it. You pick great products. You get behind them and you put them out. And the goal is to keep them coming. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm trying to become a brand. And within that brand, I need to put myself in position to become a mogul, to become a business. So that's making sure that you're in control of your destiny. And right now, I am. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey, man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, uh, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. The others pretend. You're listening to the only sports talk show in America that actually cares what you've got to say. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. In the midst of March Madness, NFL free agency hot and heavy, I was extremely surprised when I heard that Green Bay had uh, essentially cut Jordy Nelson. Wow. And then ultimately, but I think I was more surprised when I heard that the Cardinals had cut um, Tyron Matthew. Wow. I mean, those are some very, very surprising moves. You know, Cleveland is really making some moves. Like, I like to get, I, you know, I think Tyrod Taylor has sort of, you know, Buffalo really messed that up last year. He, I think he, you know, Taylor may have had a bad game and then they replaced him with the rookie quarterback. That was an absolute disaster brought Taylor back and then ultimately you know I guess it worked out but I you know the, the, the Buffalo much like I guess this the the Redskins to Kirk Cousins just not sold on Tyrod Taylor I like I like Tyrod Taylor I think I, I like Tyrod Taylor from day from the first time I saw him or one of the first times I saw him at least play a uh, a a good amount of time when he was with the Ravens he 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 you know, he is a guy that has some escapability. He can run. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I like him and I like this move by Cleveland. So you bring in a Taylor. He's 
kind of going to be your guy from day one if you decide to select one of the quarterbacks? Um, if if he's not ready, he's not ready. You have a veteran quarterback. And look at some of the other moves. Carlos Hyde from San Francisco. Jarvis Landry from the Dolphins. That was a trade. They go out and sign a couple of offensive linemen, including offensive tackle Chris Hubbard. That was a big-time get. So I, I like some of the moves, and plus the Browns still have two of the top five draft choices. So the Browns are definitely making some moves. They're not, I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs, but they're definitely not going to be the team that they were on last year. That's for sure. So I was talking a little bit earlier on in the program about the Vikings. And I mean, while the Vikings had Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, who prior to his injury looked like he was going to be the guy there in Minnesota. And then they also had Sam Bradford. So now, if you can believe this, they have neither three. They have neither three of those players, of those quarterbacks. They gave though, or they let those guys, uh, all of those guys walk. As a matter of fact, to sign Kirk Cousins, three years, eighty-four million dollars. Now, you know, again, as I've said before, like I don't, you know, a lot of times I'm going to look at numbers and I'm going to use the numbers in support of maybe, you know, supporting maybe a certain position that I have. But weren't the numbers, I mean, didn't Case, weren't Case Keenum's numbers equal to or better than Kirk Cousins' numbers were last year? I mean, it wasn't like, you know, Case Keenum was solid. I mean, you know, I thought Kirk Cousins actually had a decent season last year considering he didn't really have a whole lot to work with wide receiver wise, quite frankly. The, the 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 Redskins put all of their baskets or all of their eggs in the basket of Terrell Pryor, and that just obviously did not work out. But you know, is he the guy? Meaning Kirk Cousins, is he the guy to get Minnesota over the hump to be able to 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 allow for Minnesota to be able to take that next step? in terms of uh, getting to the Super Bowl. They have an outstanding defense. Um, and then, by the way, they went out and signed Trevor, Simi- uh, Trevor Simeon uh, as well. So uh, interesting, you know, I don't know. Is Kirk Cousins that guy? I don't, I don't, I'm not sold. Like, I'm still not sold on Kirk Cousins. And by the way, I mean, he's rewritten the whole way that, um that NFL contracts may be done. And again, this is a guy that hasn't really done a whole lot, but he's, he's in his prime. He's not even 30 years old. He's, he's done enough to warrant the interest and, you know, three years, $84 million pretty much guaranteed. So when it's time for Aaron Rodgers to get paid, then, you know, you can be rest assured that Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to get paid some of the other moves you know Kansas City wow you know they're going with Mahomes as their guy they go out and sign um, Sammy Watkins to a three-year deal I mean you already had pretty good weapons and then they go out and sign uh, uh, Sammy Watkins I mean I like that move by Kansas City I like some of the moves that Jacksonville is making they beef up on at the wide receiver position and most notably with Marquise Lee four years thirty eight million dollars 
um, to him. They signed a couple of guys um, on the uh, on the defensive side of the football, which they were all they're already really good there as well. I mean, is this a Jacksonville team that can take that next step and get over the hump and make it to the Super Bowl? I mean, I think they can. They still have some moves. I mean, we we don't you know perhaps. I mean, going forward, you know, they still may make a move at the quarterback position, but. You know, New England. I mean, look at the Patriots. Like, the Patriots have lost a bunch of guys. And that's the interesting thing to me about the Patriots. Like, they get, they don't spend a whole lot of money. They do things the way that they do things, the Patriot way. But when you have a season like they had this year where they had a good season, didn't win the Super Bowl, it was like a mass exodus of some pretty good players that left New England, I you know, I, I think, I mean, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Bill Belichick is going to go out. He's going to get it done. He's, he's, gotta, he's had to replace two coordinators. I think that's going to be a pretty big deal this year. I don't think, this, I don't think New England gets, uh, gets back to the Super Bowl this upcoming season. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, we still have the draft and still some more free agency happening. But, man, when you see kind of that mass exodus of players that just sort of bolted, um, in essence, from New England. I mean, I wonder what uh, you know. I, I, that you know, I I, I don't know. Uh, again, if I if if New England's going to be that team again, once again. Just looking at some of the other transactions. Case Keenum goes to Denver. I tell you what, I don't. I think maybe the window of opportunity for the Denver Broncos to go back to the Super Bowl, I think, is gone. They needed Case Keenum like a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, Von Miller and those guys, I mean, they're a little bit older now. The receiving core is older now. You lose a guy like uh, Talib, who they traded. I tell you, you know, I don't, I think the Broncos window of opportunity has now closed. They needed Case Keenum or a quarterback like that a couple of years ago. And now again, you have Jacksonville, who I think has to be the favorite in the, uh, in the AFC, I think Oakland has made a couple of good moves um, as well. I mean, uh, you know, the Raiders able to go out and get the aforementioned Jordy Nelson. They vastly underachieved on last year, but maybe adding another a, a wide receiver, the likes of a Jordy Nelson could certainly help the Oakland Raiders. So, I mean, that's just kind of a, a look at some of the moves that have been made in free agency. Of course, we still have the draft yet to come. And I mean, there's still a lot of questions as to Barkley. Is he going to be that the guy, the second pick? Do you put all of your eggs in the basket of a of a running back? I mean, I still believe. You know, I don't know. This, this is the new NFL to me. I mean, it. You know, when I hear people talk, a lot of people act like, well, it's been 20 years since since uh, we have not valued the running back as much i mean obviously now the running back isn't valued as much but that's only going to, I mean, that's only been within the last five six years or so so you know do you get a guy like a barkley who has that type of talent if you're the giant it certainly remains to be seen we're coming back with more march madness talk on the other side 
BoxToRow.com. The website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews. To the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams. And weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com. Your HBCU sports leader. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Join me on the conversation. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X the number two R O W. How is your bracket looking at this point? And, you know, if, listen, you know, that the Arizona loss was absolutely huge. I think it busted a lot of brackets. And so early on, I mean, you, you, you see Arizona sort of come through it with Sean Miller with this, well, not really come through, but this whole deal with the FBI and so forth. And you're thinking, okay, they're back on track and no way. I mean, I, you know, it never even dawned on me when I was uh, doing my picks that uh, Arizona would in fact lose, but that's exactly what Arizona did. And, um, you know, it, it is, I, I must say, and if you, you go into our website, box com, I mean, I had Arizona actually in the final four. I, I don't, you know, I mean, I know they were a four seed, but I actually had them in the final four. And I mean, they ran into a buzzsaw in Buffalo. And I mean, you know, it wasn't like it was a close game. It was, only, it was a two-point game at halftime. Arizona was down two points. You figure a 4-13. I mean, those 4-13s can be tough sometime. But, you know, I, I, I'm thinking, okay, Arizona, boy, they got, you know, they, they, they're, they're not going to, you know, no disrespect to Buffalo. But you're just thinking, okay, Arizona should, you know, I'm not saying they're going to blow Buffalo out. But, you know, they should win that basketball game. And that certainly uh, didn't happen. So, I mean, you know, you have Arizona as a, as a final four team. So that's pretty much it. Um, that's not pretty much. I mean, I guess, you know, it, you know, it is a big loss, especially on that um, top left half of the bracket. I mean, again, I had Arizona as a final four team. Of course, I have Kansas winning it all. And, and Kansas was very impressive, obviously, against Radford first game we'll see what happens to the Jayhawks on Saturday I mean I I just think this is the year that Kansas gets it done the the Graham kid is playing absolutely fantastic this year had another big game on Thursday and and I I just think that this year I mean Kansas has been so close they they yeah you know they they probably have in some respects, in some years, have underachieved and have had really good. T- I just think that this is the year that Kansas finally gets it done. You know, just looking in the bracket at some of the other games, um, the Alabama Virginia Tech game that that was sort of a tough game. I looked at Alabama, and you know, an eight and ten record in SEC play. I mean, it was it was there was a time when. You know, you, you, you always respect Kentucky and Florida has been pretty much a perennial power. And, 
you know, Tennessee um, some years would be pretty competitive. But, you know, this year the SEC got, I think, what was it? Was it eight teams that the SEC got in? And, you know, again, that Alabama-Virginia Tech game, I mean, that's one of those games that could go either way. Again, a 9-8 matchup, some of those 9-8. The 9-8 matchups are obviously, for obvious reasons, extremely hard. It could go either way. But, I mean, you have some 12-4s. uh, or 12 fives, I should say 13 fours, that can be a little bit difficult. Uh, I just thought, you know, it, it was a pick 'em, and I, and I chose to go with Virginia Tech um, simply more so because of their in conference record in the ACC as opposed to Alabama's record in the SEC. And, you know, Alabama was able to pull it away. You know, congratulations to uh, Southern grad Avery Johnson, who's building a a solid program uh, there in Tuscaloosa with Alabama basketball. Um, You know, I got to give I got to give a shout out to uh, to my wife, as a matter of fact, Mrs. Ware, because I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm doing some of the picks. And as I mentioned, those nine eights are absolutely crucial so I'm sitting there out, you know, doing the picks and I'm um, out loud talking with her as I'm doing the picks and she doesn't watch I me. Mean, she, you know, I'm not, you know, I watch, obviously I watch college basketball, but I'm not heavy into college basketball being more of a, not, not because I'm more of a pro sports guy, but you know, I'm really into the pro sports and, but definitely keep my eye obviously more so with with our HBCUs and then uh, you know to a to a, a a a lesser degree but still keeping the pulse and kind of knowing what's going on in college basketball so I'm looking at that 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 uh, NC State and Seton Hall matchup and I'm like wow you know just as we as we talked about last week with respect to NC State and the fact that they should be in the tournament and the, the reasons why they should be in the tournament, but what could preclude them from being in the tournament, some really big-time wins. We mentioned those and then some losses that were were bad losses, including first-round loss to Boston College in the ACC tournament. And I'm like, man, I'm really on the fence I'm getting actually getting ready to pick NC State. Um, I thought they would rebound. It's a gritty NC State team. I thought Kevin Keats has done a tremendous job with this NC. I mean, it, I don't think there were a lot of expectations for NC State this year. A lot of the guys that he wanted are, are guys that had to sit out this year. And so you're, you're, you're just thinking, okay, not a lot of expectations. But here NC State comes. They beat Arizona early, who was, was ranked number two. They beat um, Duke. Um, you know, they, they had some really big wins, particularly as a team that was not ranked. And so you're like, OK, but, you know, at the same time, Seton Hall and, and the thing that she said to me was, well, why don't you take a look at the rosters? And I've forgotten that Seton Hall is a senior laden team. They had won the Big East tournament, what, going back some couple of years ago with a lot of these guys that are now seniors. So for whatever reason, she said, I don't know, maybe, maybe, she, maybe she follows college basketball a little bit more than I thought. She says, well, well, you know, look at the roster. What, what, is, what, is, what does their roster look like? And knowing that NC State was, was not necessarily a veteran team, 
I looked at the roster, and when you go up and down that roster, the guys that contribute the most were seniors. So I said, okay, that's a very good point. Um, you know, ob- especially in a 9-8 game like this with a team, meaning NC State, that doesn't have a, didn't have a whole lot of expectations coming in. Meanwhile, you have a Seton Hall team that plays in a very tough conference in the Big East. And not only that, but they had a bunch of seniors on that team. So went with um, went with Seton Hall in that game and actually sat there and watched that game. I, I watched that game on Thursday, and it, and really it that game, you look at one point, it's like 14 minutes left. Ten minutes later in real time, ten minutes of real time later, only three minutes has run off the clock, and NC State kept it close. They had pulled to within three at one time and was right there. But again, that experience, I think, with respect to Seton Hall, really got Seton Hall, the Pirates, over the hump. And, uh, of course, Seton Hall advanced on. Um, one of the other games that, and, and, and sometimes, as you know, if you're filling out the bracket, you've got to pick some upset games. And especially in, I guess, Really, the 12-5s are becoming lesser of upsets, even to some degree. The 13-4s are becoming less upsets. But um, one of the games, I I actually went with Davidson over Kentucky. And, of course, Kentucky ended up pulling that game out 78-73 over Davidson. And that was one of those, again, a 5-12 matchup. I just kind of looked at that. And I'm, I'm looking at Kentucky and... Again, to me, Kentucky just not. I mean, they're they're extremely talented, but again, a young team uh, where, where Davidson's more of a more of a, a veteran team, and some again to me some of the losses that Kentucky had this year. Um, you know, they went on a stretch where they lost a bunch of games in a row, but they ultimately ended up getting it done when it mattered most, and that was towards the latter part of the season. And certainly that was that played out for Kentucky because they um, they ended up winning that game uh, over Davidson. So, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd have to look really here at my bracket to see if I have UK um, going deep. I don't think I did uh, or had Davidson, I should say, going deep. I think I had Davidson losing maybe next round anyway. Um, but nonetheless, you know, that was definitely one of those harder picks. The Houston San Diego State uh, matchup was a harder pick, and that was a really good game. I actually picked San Diego State, who was the lower seed on that 11-6. Those 11-6s are, are hard to pick. Uh, also, I would argue that probably the 13-4 is a little bit harder to pick, uh, or, or really the 12-5, but that 11-6 is hard to pick and um, ultimately picked wrong. So, you know, my, my bracket is not like it's not awful right now but it definitely isn't good either and certainly we'll see how the games play out this upcoming uh weekend and again you know having me having arizona going all the way to the final four and losing and getting blown out by buffalo i mean i never even saw that coming at all and so uh they call it march madness for a reason and uh you know you can absolutely see why Got to get ready to run here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Thank you very much for uh, joining me today on the program. Again, um, give me your thoughts. What is your bracket looking like right now? Uh, Hit me up. 
via Twitter after we go off the air. Let's continue uh, the, the, the discussion a bit. B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W on Twitter or on Facebook. B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And uh, <clears throat> again, for more information on the program, you can log on to our website at botchtorow.com. Got a couple of features up there uh, as well. And you can listen to the interviews with Mike Davis and Lavelle Moten in their entirety on our website at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the press box to press row is presented by DW Communication. I'm incredible. Better each the best.